0: What's up, everybody? This is Jeff from True Knowles Talk. Uh, if you haven't heard about one of our sponsors, it's Anchor FM by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything really you need in one place. And if you would, let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you host on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, many more. I mean, there's about 10, 15 that they'll do. It's everything you need all in one place. So really guys, go to your app store, download the Anchor app, or go to Anchor FM and get started and go Knowles. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of True Knowles Talk. I'm your host, as always, Jeff Raines, and this is the show that provides you, the listeners, with an in depth coverage of Florida State athletics while also showing our appreciation to all the former Seminole greats that helped lay the foundation for Seminole athletics. So, if you're listening to this or watching, go to wherever you listen to your podcast or you stream your podcast, hit the like button, subscribe. If you're on an Apple device, go, leave us a five-star review. It would be much appreciated. Today, I am joined by Jesse Coker. He is the founder and host of Plant the Spear podcast. Jesse, welcome to the show. And if you would, let the people listening and watching know about yourself and Plant the Spear. Well, yeah,
1: my name's Jesse and uh, I do kind of the, the Swiss Army knife at Plant the Spear, kind of do a little bit of everything there. And I do appreciate you having me on Uh, Yeah, I grew up in South Georgia, grew up a Florida State fan since as long as I can remember. Uh, I really just got into the team. My brother used to go to Mike Martin baseball camp, and I was too young to go. So my dad would take me over to the stadium and kind of look around things. And, you know, when you're 10, 12 years old and you see Renegade and Osceola and the war chant and all that, I mean, you get instantly hooked. And so I've been a fan ever since then. And then, you know, just recently this year, I decided to follow a passion of talking about Florida State and and uh, here we are. So, I, again, I appreciate you having me on. I, I always am down to talk Florida State.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you on. Appreciate you. I mean, the more coverage, the better, really. I mean, it's been kind of a down time for Florida State since really, I mean, I'd have to say, really, the after what was it 2014? Really, it started slipping downhill. Yeah. Um, yep. And def- definitely during the Taggart era but hey, yeah we're four
1: it's, and been, it's been you're right and I mean it's been a tough stretch and I think like I tell people a lot it makes it harder when you know a lot of people like I'm 34 years old and like I've never had to experience that as a Florida State fan you know I've never seen us miss a bowl I've never seen us have a losing season and I think those are the things that make it so hard is when you're just not used to that but I think it really it you know it's hard to watch, but it does make you appreciate where you're at now being four and oh with some really big games on the on the slate that you you know Florida State's got a chance, a real chance to prove themselves and make some noise nationally here. And and I'm really excited to see them arise at a challenge because I'm just I'm so ready to see this team back where they belong. You know, college football just isn't the same when you just lose interest after a few games. So this is it's exciting, and I think the fan base is back now, too. You know, you see the sellouts and and everything, and it's just exciting to see where Florida State has come in a short amount of time, like 0-4 last year to 4-0 this year. I couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, I want to say I've seen that's the first time that's happened since 82-83 that a team went 0-4 yeah. the year before and then come back 4-0. and But, I mean, really, I mean, 4-0 and with a statement kind of convincing win, you know, 44-14 over Boston College. I mean, they were really clicking on all gears in my eyes, really from the get-go. I mean, just the Trey Benson right. first kickoff. I mean, that put the throttle down. They they didn't look back. So, I mean, I was I was very impressed with them throughout that whole game. And I think they actually the defense actually impressed me because I think Christian, you no, know, they kind of held him in check a little bit on the running on the running game, even without right. I think we had what, three? Two or three starters out on defense, uh, the defensive line on the front. Uh, verse, yep. and I think Fabian and
1: yeah, he's Cooper, still out. Man. And and I will t- tell you the thing about Fabian, love it too. Is you have developed some depth at Florida State now to where guys like Malcolm Ray and Jarrett Jackson can step in, and it's it's nice to see. One thing I talked about on the last episode was your depth guys are to the point now that the talent floor has been lifted enough where you can beat an ACC team albeit they are a bad one but you can beat an ACC team without your starters at certain positions but Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse are obviously ginormous impacts and you're gonna want them back for these next three games but for them to do what they did down that amount of starters like you said is just it was impressive because when you beat a team like that I think that's kind of where you know I, I had said Florida State's had so many close games that they could have opened up. And, and there's just been things that have kept them from doing that. You know, the fumble with the one in LSU and Jordan getting hurt and everything, which the offense still did good in, in the Louisville game. But you just wanted to see them handle a, a team that they should handle like they should. And that's what they did. And so it was that was a really impressive win. I haven't seen Florida State just kind of smack someone around like that in a, in a while. And it was really nice to see because Boston College was – I mean, they were never in that game. You know, like you said, from yeah. the opening kickoff, it was a one-sided affair.
0: Yeah. And and that's the games we remember. You know, we right. remember those. You know, I think what was the, the margin of victory or the average score in the national championship year was we averaged 52, 53 points a game. And there was games, right. I, I remember that whole season.
1: I want to say I, I'm 99% sure that season, that team was the largest point differential in the history of college football. And I mean, I just look at, to me, obviously you can argue that team is right up there with any of the best teams in college football. And so, like you said, I mean, you were used to, you didn't care about going to away games because you knew you were going to go into their stadium and and whip them and and whatnot. And so it is nice to see them open up on somebody a little bit. That, That was really, it's nice to not have to like be clutching your chest, looking for an aspirin at the end of a game for once. You know, you can actually relax, which is nice.
0: Yeah, and uh, to see us go from there to—I mean, I I hate bringing Jacksonville State up last year, but it's a game that I
1: know was—it
0: was kind of a focus game, really, because after that, you know, we had Wake Forest and Wake Forest come in and they—they kind of rolled over us. But speaking of the Boston College game, we—we mean we were down starters on on defense that should that should have had a big impact, and we still. Boston College only had 235 total yards in the game. So that just speaks volume, like you said, of the depth.
1: Yeah, and I hate bringing up the Jacksonville State game. And I was like, I think we can maybe bury that now. Um, I was actually sitting row one behind Jacksonville State's bench when that happened. And uh, that was the lowest. Like, I told someone, I said, it's kind of crazy to think that, like, I got to go to Pasadena in 2014 and watch the national championship game. And it's like, From the the highest of the roller coaster to the the deepest of the valleys in uh, what feels like a really short amount of time. And so it's just nice to see him be back on the, you know, not to sound uh, cliche with Norvell's saying, but to be back on the climb. And I think one thing that I, I really tried to talk about in the preseason was that I felt Norvell was a great, like he's a good coach. And I just think people really didn't look at the whole picture. Um, When you looked at his offenses over over the course of his career, and I did something where I took all of his, like, basically his his, uh, season stats, and I averaged them out over his time at Arizona State and his time at Memphis. And last year in 2021, from the teams I compared to, he would have been top 25 in almost every offensive category. And what I tried to make the case for was, it's not that Norvell's a bad coach. Like he didn't forget how to coach because he moved to Tallahassee. Like it's not the Bermuda triangle of football coaching, but you got to have the pieces to run your offense. And I think that's what we're seeing now when you go from, you know, one of the worst receiver groups in the conference to one of the best receiver groups in the country in a matter of a year. And it's made a huge difference because Florida state right now is averaging over 500 yards of offense a game. And I mean, that's just, it's, it's special. And, something I I had made a point on the other day where they're averaging averaging over 500 yards a game. And Jordan Travis has 48 rushing yards a season. So there's a whole like aspect of this offense that really hasn't even been tapped yet, which makes you excited. And, you know, you look at Trey Benson, I think he had 10 carries before he got here. So he's still an inexperienced guy who's only going to get better. Same with Johnny Wilson and Deuce span and all these, uh, Michael Pittman, they're not experienced guys. So the more time they get, I mean, this offense is only going to get better which is really exciting.
0: Yeah. And and, and it's good to see cuz you know, you've seen, you know, Pittman finally put some what I'd say highlights. I mean, Micah Pittman, I think he's what 5'10, five, 5'11. Five,
1: I mean, Right. He, he's a but small he's a bully. Respect.
0: Oh yeah. Um and then you've seen Trey Benson and Trey is one of them running backs that I would not recommend a lot, anybody really to, get in front of because he's going to bulldoze
1: you down <laughs> yeah um, yeah and he did that last game i think he like took someone's helmet off or something like that. i mean it was he's got some power and i really love the mixture of what you get out of this backfield you know you got a really nice mixture of backs where which is something like i, I had, uh said about the receiving core too is you know years ago when you had like tamori and terry and you were like okay we have a thousand yard receiver that's really nice to have but that was it. Like, you had to rely on him to make plays. And I think, like, something we saw in the last game was where everybody knows about Johnny Wilson now. He's not a secret anymore. And so when you have to shade extra coverage to him, I mean, pick your poison. You know, Ontario Wilson's having great games. Portier looks like he's really come on this year. You got Micah Pittman, and, and they're still – I mean, imagine when they add Winston Wright to this offense, too. It's going to be – I mean, he was actually – probably the one guy i was the most excited about this year and i really hated to lose him. but yeah i mean like i said they they really have some weapons now that they haven't had in the past and and we're seeing it pay off
0: yeah i mean and that's the thing is you know we got the weapons now and everybody you know was all critical on norvell and you know and even kenny Dillingham when he was there but and i tell all my friends that i work with you know they're auburn fans and they're like, you know, Harson right. needs to be fired. Harson needs to be fired. And I tell them all, you know, it's it's like you know a puzzle. If you didn't got that piece that fits just right in what you're building, yep. it ain't gonna build right. And I said they just need to give him time, and he'll have it rolling just like he had Boise State rolling, and he'll right. build something yep. there. But you know, they want him gone, just like I guess all the fan base really want Taggart gone. But right. You know,
1: And I hated that because I really wanted Willie to work out because I thought he was going to do great in recruiting. And like you said, I mean, there's so many coaches out there to everybody. Of course, in today's society, everybody wants immediate gratification. And like people, I tried to explain this when I went on the radio in Louisiana before the LSU game, they were like, well, how much, how hot is Mike Norvell's seat? And I'm like, I don't really think you understand the depth of what he took over and how big of a rebuild this was talent-wise, culture-wise, and all that stuff. And it's like you can't cycle coaches every two and three years and expect to build anything. You have to give them time to build those relationships and everything. But, yeah, I mean, people are just so fast to want to fire a coach nowadays, and it's like you're just going to keep changing guys, and you're just going to ruin your culture, and it's going to kill your recruiting momentum. And I know you can't wait forever. Uh, you know, like Nebraska made a move on Scott Frost because that obviously wasn't going to work out. But, I mean, you just you never know, and you have to give him time. And who are you going to go get that, that's really any better? And I think the big thing about Norvell, too, was just all the talk in the coaching circles and the coaching community about how impressed they were with the guy. And, you know, people don't say that for nothing. And I want to say, and don't quote me on this, but when he got hired, I remember somebody saying, I think he had the second most assistant coaches hired away, second to Nick Saban. I mean, that's, you know, it speaks for itself. And so I think we do have a good coach in Norvell. I just think he needed time, and I'm glad that they gave it to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, every coach needs – I mean, and that's what – I even mentioned it to on a group that I was in, you know, I think – I can't remember which one, but I got negative feedback from it. I said, Norvell needs time. I said, look at how long it took Bobby to build that dynasty. He was hired in 76, I want to say – And really, the dynasties didn't start kicking until, you know, mid to late 80s. You know, that's when we were getting into the games and all that. So, I mean, it it takes time. Now, do I hope that Norvell can fix it a whole lot faster than what Bobby created it?
1: Yes. but Right, of course. And, you know, you never know with NIO and the transfer portal. Like, imagine where we would be without the portal. So, really, I mean, anything is possible nowadays. And – Another thing I think too is when you see an offense now that's out averaging over 500 yards, and you know I really think people don't under people underestimate how smart Norvell is. Like at first in the LSU game, you go, "Well, we we got a linebacker lining up at fullback. That's neat. I don't know where that came from." Well, little did you know you had a four star linebacker recruit who's also plays running back in the crowd. You know, watching the game, so he yeah. that was probably per- very purposeful. And now that you're seeing Jordan have a great season, and you're having. Uh, receivers, multiple receivers, not just one guy stepping up, you're going to start attracting more talent. So now you may get a guy in the portal who's a bigger name, who wants to come to Florida State. So, I mean, realistically, we've seen success almost sells itself, and that's the one thing Florida State's been lacking. And I think that now they're that they're getting it. And, and granted, I had to kind of make the statement on my last episode was Florida State fans are not saying that we've won anything yet. We are not in the playoffs. We are not handing out the Heisman. We have we have a real chance to prove some things coming up. But, I mean, you have to look at with the success they're having now, and you can attract that top-end talent, a Hykeem Williams, a Blake Nicholson. And you start to think, well, what could Norvell do if he had top-end talent? And, I mean, you know, I could see it. I mean, I could really see it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and just think of it. I mean, Norvell, like you said, you know, is a great coach and all He's, in my eyes, he's even better recruiter because, right. you know, especially to pull Hakeem Williams. You took him from Alabama, a right. and I want to say it was Georgia, Miami, and then Pitt. Yep. You know, you pulled him from there. And then, you know, I mean, with the transfer portal, you, you kind of got to sell yourself, especially in the boat we were in. And Jermaine right. Johnson last yep. year. Jermaine Johnson, when he was with Georgia, he wasn't that – dominant i mean he was a good player but he wasn't that oh my god he's going to you know change the game he wasn't a first round draft pick exactly and right you know he comes to Florida state you know granted kind of an easier conference you know than the SEC with talent wise but he went from probably not even being looked at to a of a you know kind of a practice squad guy to a first round draft pick. So.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep.
0: And then you look at the development. Go ahead. I was
1: gonna say one thing, one thing about the, the, uh, transfer portal too, which is talking about recruiting that I had pointed out with, um, some people before was that when you look at the difference between a transfer portal recruit and a high school recruit, and I don't blame the kids for having fun. I don't blame them for taking all their official visits. You know, if I would have been good enough in high school, I probably would have went and seen, I'd have used all five of my visits too. Um, but you look at the transfer portal guys and they're about their business. Like they're not worried whether you're not necessarily having the wins right now. They want to see how you can develop them as a coach and how you can help them as a player. And that was something where I was kind of like, well, if he can get these guys, this these level of guys in the transfer portal who aren't necessarily worried about the the fancy pictures and, and the being along for the ride and stuff like that, He can get them to come work to build something. Then you can see that what he's selling is legit. And once he gets the success on the field, the high school recruits will follow because, you know, I mean, no one really wants to, no one wants to play for a bad team. You only get one college experience. You want to play for something. You want to win something. You want to play in front of nice crowds. And, you know, Florida state, I've always said, they can get the big name recruits on campus. You know, they are able to get these guys on visits. They just want to see success and that's not something they've been able to sell. And now that they have it, I, I mean, I really think recruiting's going to take off, you know, now that now that they have some momentum, of course, you have to keep it up, you got to keep it going. Uh, but I really yeah. think like, especially last weekend was a big recruiting weekend and, and to get a blowout win in front of a house full of recruits, that's a sellout crowd. I mean, that's got, you know, while you're watching your both of your rivals lose and one of them getting embarrassed on national TV, that's got to help, you know, that's got to help you win the state of Florida. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, get, got embarrassed by a former Florida State quarterback, which was coaches, awesome, um, and he was not afraid yeah. to say it too. <laughs> no, uh, I did. I did watch that one, and there was one thing that I did, kind of. It kind of tugged at me a little bit. I I loved it. He did have the you know the coach for Middle Tennessee. He had the the Bobby emblem on the side of his hat.
1: I noticed that. I did notice that, and I was really so, impressed by that.
0: So I was. I was I actually. I didn't.
1: That. I didn't know he was the FSU alum at first, and then I saw the logo on his hat, and I'm like. Well that's really cool. I mean, I don't know where that's coming from at Middle Tennessee State and then I saw him say that and I was like, "Oh, now it makes sense." But that was that was really awesome. That was really cool to see.
0: Yep. But like you mentioned, you know, with the recruiting thing, you're going to see you know, the more we win, you're going to see all them recruits that picked other schools during their commitment time. Yep. Flip on signing day. And Oh yeah. You know, I mean, just I mean, think about it. I mean, you we had what it was like a four or five star receiver go to LSU or commit yep. to LSU. You know, he's still I'm and I I do got kind of a, a buddy that does recruiting stuff uh with nation's right. elite. Uh okay. He kind of he kind of tells me quite a bit. And the you know the, that receiver is still keeping in contact with Dugan's and Norvell. So that's good. That line of communication is still there. So that flip could happen.
1: Yeah, and but, You could definitely see, you know, that's the thing is Florida and Miami got a lot of preseason hype based on their coaching hire. And, you know, Oregon fans, after this last game, they, they jumped to social media to say, listen, guys, this is the crystal ball we told you about. And so like you, you were getting a lot of hype train, but now when you look at the product on the field, I mean, they could certainly lose to North Carolina Saturday and they're, I don't see them beating Clemson. I don't see them being beating Florida State. So you could see them having a very disappointing season. And I mean they they bench Tyler Van Dyke. They they aren't featuring any receivers. So you could see where, you know, you kind of like people like the joke, you know, go shopping off their recruiting list. And I mean I think as long like you said, as long as you stay in contact, as long as you keep that line of communication open, I mean people are going to see like, okay, I can go here and have a 100-yard game as a receiver or I can go here and watch the other team have a 100-yard game. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think it, it's it's winning. And, and also seeing other teams struggle, you know that some of those decommits are going to be coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Crystal – I mean, Crystal Ball put up the 70 points against Bethune-Cookman, and then ever since then, it's been a slide for Miami. But, I it, mean, it, Miami game with us, it's always a coin flip anyway because you don't know what team's right. going to show up. But like you said, you know, recruiting and winning, you know, that's going to build. And really, the next three weeks for us is big, is crucial weeks because we got Wake Forest this weekend, we got uh, NC State the following weekend, and we got Clemson. And
1: yep, all I was, all ranked. So you got yeah. a, You got a chance. <laughs> you got your chance. You got your stage built for you. Yeah,
0: and and honestly, I mean, if you look at the games last year, if you compare, look at those games last year. Wake Forest, yeah, it was a it was a 21 point loss. I think it was 35-14. Um then I can't remember what the NC State game was. I, I know it was like a 14 point I want to say
1: yeah, I think it was 28-14, I believe.
0: You know, and Clemson was tied up until really the end. Yeah. It
1: was. so. Yep.
0: You take that them teams cuz Clemson really I mean I I'll talk about them on a later show, but they're not that impressive.
1: No, not at all. In multiple and, areas.
0: Yes, and
1: their their secondary got exposed against Wake. Bad. Yes. I mean, they if that and that's something that kind of leads uh, you know a little bit into the Wake Forest game too is, uh, they had like you could tell Clemson DBs were either beat or they were committing a penalty to avoid getting beat, and I saw a stat where they uh wake Forest had 129 yards in the first half of that game and 85 of it came off pass interference which is kind of yeah. the you know the kind of really uh 50 50 game that they play where they throw it up and they either catch it or they usually get a pi but like clemson secondary is very suspect and of course their defensive their front seven's good and their offense isn't exactly great but yeah i mean i don't think there's a game on the schedule that's not winnable for florida state if they get you know if they can get back to full strength and if they can bring their A game every game, I don't think there's a game that's really not winnable. Especially considering you get a couple of them at home. And I, I said the other day, if if they go three zero in the stretch, they may not lose another game. Because who's your next toughest opponent? I would say Syracuse on the road, and Syracuse yeah. has kind of slowed their momentum a little bit. You know, they had a two point win against Virginia, a two point win against Purdue on a hail mary. So, I mean, I hate going up there and playing that kind of sleepy game in the dome, but if you beat Wake, NC State on the road, and Clemson, I just, I know it's in, it's really almost sounds ludicrous to think about Florida State going undefeated or something like that when they went, started 0-4 last year and had the season that it did, but if they win these three games, I just don't see, And I don't see, unless there's a slip-up, another loss on the schedule, but I don't know that I predict them to go 3-0 and in this stretch, but if you can even walk away two and one, I think you feel really good about yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you walk, I mean, if, just think about it. I mean, they say they win Saturday and they win the next weekend against NC State. You're possibly walking into Dope Campbell Stadium, middle of October, with Clemson, two undefeated teams. Yeah. Just, like just like it was. I
1: would, and you got to be. I mean, you think if you're 23 now with a win over 22 and a win over number 10, which, I mean, you don't know where they're going to be after this weekend when they, if they lose to Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at a top 15 matchup easy, maybe even top 10, depending on who loses ahead of you. So, yeah, and, and I would have to say that, like, if I could pick one, like if I had to pick one, I would have to say it would be Clemson just because, like, you know, they're really the dominant in recruiting and stuff like that that you really need to knock off from the Atlantic uh but even i even said the other day i as long as you don't go zero and three i think you're okay even if you go one and two it's obviously going to be a bit of a disappointment but you're still going to be going into your bye week at five and two with a top 25 win a win over lsu and a very bad georgia tech team on the other side of your bye week that gets you bowl eligible if you win and i understand that the bar of expectation has been raised by the way they played but if someone had come to you, you know, before the Duquesne game and said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal right now. After the Clemson game in your bye week, you're five and two, you beat LSU, you got a top 25 win, you're ranked and you have a chance to get bowl eligible the next week. Would you take it? And you, most people probably would have said, uh, yes in a heartbeat because I don't oh, think yeah. any of us saw this, this coming. And now the bar has been raised, but yeah, I mean, one and two, is still not awful, but I think two and one's very positive And three, and zero oh would just be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned you know, but it all starts with Wake Forest, and we. I mean, I think every, yep. I think every Knowles fan at the beginning of the season when the news come out about Sam Hartman, you know, yep. not going to play, it kind of, we all kind of sigh sigh of relief because he did light us up like <laughs> I game. did, you I know, did. I felt bad for him, but it was a sigh right. Of relief, right? You know, and then you, you see never how hate they go. to win a
1: game that way exactly but you'll take it
0: yep but now you know ever since he's come back he's it's like he hadn't missed a beat i think he's 300 averaging, yards
1: in every game yep
0: yeah i mean i think i i totaled, i think he's averaging like 320 something yards passing i want to say is what yep. i think um and really just and he's a dynamic runner
1: He can run, too. I think he had, what, four or 500 yards last year, and he really hasn't been running the ball a whole lot. And I thought he would miss more than one game. I was thinking, you know, like he might be back a game or two before Florida State. I didn't think it'd be one game. And I I initially – I will say that I initially had this as our potential first loss only because I didn't think we could win a shootout against Wake Forest. Now, again, that was before our offense was averaging 500 yards a game which I think it's that's my pick has changed but yeah like you said when when the news broke about Hartman I'm like okay well you know W check that one so but yeah I mean he's he's just he's going to be the best quarterback you're going to face all season and the guy is I mean he's I think he's been there like 6 years now he's an elite dude I mean he's got 300 plus yards passing in every game multiple touchdowns and he really he's to me he's almost like Cunningham was to Louisville he is their offense yeah. and you know if you're going to have a good day against wake forest you have to have a good day against sam hartman yeah
0: i mean ever since he's come back i mean i think i think what my notes have is 64 percent on his passes for 962 yards 13 touchdowns he's had two interceptions and you know you couple that with you think about the game last year and yeah our team has gotten just leaps and bounds better than what we were last year last year during that game six turnovers, you know, three – I think it was three interceptions. Yeah.
1: Um
0: But this year, you know, I think our defense is playing a lot better. Our offense is just – I don't know where this offense came from. I don't know if it was a mix of – I don't know if it's a mix of Norvell and the grit of Alex Atkins, Yeah. Just meshed together. And I, to, I told, you know, uh, one of my buddies that was on the show before, I said, you know, was our offensive reflection – Kind of was our offense a reflection of the offensive coordinator? You had Kenny Dillingham, and I love him to death, right. but he was that younger, he he ha ha kind of joking, cut up with him, right? Like best friend. Yeah. Then you go to Alex Adkins, who's like, I mean, he's like the Godfather. You don't want to make him mad,
1: <laughs> right? He's about his business, you know.
0: Yeah. Plus, but, you can
1: run to the strength of your offensive line, which was your weakness. Now they're a lot better this year. And they're still not great. You know, if you had your starters, you like if you had Robert Scott and you hadn't a loss Bless Harris and you hadn't a loss, uh, Caden Lyles, you'd feel a little better. And they have performed, I think, better than you maybe expected them to this year. Better than I, I mean, you just really wanted them to not be a detriment. And I think they've been able to do that. But the good thing to me is now with Alex Atkins as coordinator, he knows what they're good at and he knows what they're not. And I'm sure he had an input in the game plan when Dillingham was here, but now, you know it's able to be like coach we can't you know what I mean like that's that's not going to work or this is what we're really good at let's run this and Norvell is you know when you watch him playing calls this year it's just a different offense and they are so good at scheming guys open and so it's been fun to watch you're seeing a lot more of what they ran at Memphis than last year I think was you Norvell's really good at playing to his strengths you know Uh, he over the course of his career, he's He's been a lot more pass heavy now. They've had really good rushing offenses too, but you know the numbers last year were nothing close to what his career averages were as far as passing yards. They averaged about thirty eight hundred yards a year passing, and Florida State was n- under three thousand. He's never had a season where they had less than thirty two passing touchdowns, and they weren't even close to that last year. And they ran because that's what th- that's what they were good at. And now I think you're seeing where they can be a multi dimensional offense.
0: Yeah. The only thing really, I mean, we can hit on it. We talked about, you know, you mentioned how Wake Forest kind of exposed Clemson's defensive secondary. That's the only thing really, because I think, I mean, I looked up their their stats on rushing. It's really not impressive. Right. Um, yeah. But when you look at the passing with Wake Forest, that's where, yeah. that's where you start to worry. And yep. he has like all of his, you know, he's several several threats uh yep a.t. Perry's back a.t. Perry's the one that he they him and Hartman had a heyday last year yep then Jamal Banks uh them two combined for 511 yards and seven touchdowns yeah I think uh I think Donovan Green was one that I seen and that's kind of he's the third uh receiver on the team he's got like 14 receptions for 237 two touchdowns yep and he was injured last year, so we don't know what he would have done last year. Right. I, I'm just.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's the thing, really, about like the Wake Forest offense is it's they do have a lot of weapons. They have three different guys. Um, I'm not sure. If, yeah, just, I think we might be back. There we go.
0: Yeah, we back. Yep, we got a little uh, little glitch. But
1: yeah. yeah, but like you said, they they have a lot of weapons and. Their offense, I think they run the ball. Like, one of the notes that I had on their offense was they run it enough to open up the pass. And they're not – like, they're not overly successful, obviously, at the run game. And, like, their their rushing offense is currently uh, 104th in the country. And their passing offense is 16th in the country. So, they only really have the 52nd best offense. And I know that sounds bad. I mean, you obviously see they put up a a ton of yards against Clemson, but – they just run such a weird offense that delayed mesh. And, and it's like when you watch it, it's almost so fluky that it's successful the way they run it. Because honestly, like 90% of their scoring plays, they just chunk it. They just throw yeah. it up. He throws it as high and as far as he can. And you're either like, they trust their guys to come down with a catch. And a lot of times they do. And if they don't, they they draw a flag and it just, it works for them. But I, I'm, I'm with you on I'm a little concerned about our secondary only because we haven't really seen him be tested yet this season. You know, Jaden Daniels is not exactly a thrower. Uh, Malik Cunningham, he's a run first type of quarterback. And Drakovic, I mean, behind that offensive line, you can't really do anything with that. But I'm a little concerned, but I, I did like seeing Duke Cooper back. I did like seeing him get a pick in the first game. I think that kind of gets him in rhythm. And with him being out, I do think you've built a little depth. Like you know, Greedy Vance looks like a guy who can who can be something for you now. And then you also have Renardo Green's been pretty good. Jerrion Jones plays a lot. He's got a lot of experience, so you do feel. And, and one thing I was actually thinking about uh, earlier is, I'm like, man, you just feel like Jamie Robinson is due for a big game. He's been real quiet this year. You know, he hasn't got a lot of a whole lot of uh, action in the past game because, like we said, they haven't been thrown on a whole lot, but. You feel like he's due for something, you know, and I'm really hoping that he can have a breakout game in this one because I mean, honestly, we're going to need him. It, we really are going to need him in this game because it's going to be their first real test against a real, a real quarterback. I won't, you know, I, I'm not going to say that Wake Forest has a better receiving core than LSU, but you know what? What's kind of more dangerous? A really good receiving core with a quarterback who can't take advantage of them, or an overachieving receiving core with just you know, ai a, don't want to say generational quarterback, but a really top level quarterback who can get the most out of them. And I think that's yeah. where Wake Forest is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. And there was, I was looking at their stats and all that, and I was looking at their breakdowns. And there's one position on there when you look at their receivers that kind of bells and whistles worries me. And that's, I mean, everybody knows we have had the hardest time for some reason defending a tight end that is big, tall, can catch the ball. And number 85 junior, Blake Whitehart, he's 6'4", 243 pounds, eight receptions for 115 yards. I want to say it is three touchdowns. And we've had trouble with that. I mean, that last play right before uh, LSU scored, I believe that was their tight end that came across. And we had to stop him right at the one.
1: And I do like I mean, I do like our linebackers this year a lot better, but, you know, it's never necessarily a good matchup to have against a big tight end like that. And I mean, I do think that you've obviously seen the impact of having really good linebacker play this year. And I do think that that's something that we've benefited from. But like you said, we've they've struggled with that in the past. And you're going to have to find someone, you know, I'm not sure who our our biggest corner is, but you know, if you, if you get a matchup there, maybe you pull a safety in or something, but they have a lot of threats. And I have a feeling in this game, you're going to see a lot of one-on-one coverage. Uh, you know, maybe he's running some safety over top, but you're like Fuller, he trusts his guys and he asks a lot of them and that's just how he runs his defense. And so this game is going to really be kind of a, a put up or shut up, put, put your money where your mouth is for the, these secondary players, because they're going to get tested from multiple different targets all game. And I don't, I don't foresee them doing much on the ground. Uh, Clemson was able to kind of overpower their offensive line and they really didn't, they didn't get much accomplished there. Uh, But I think Florida State's, I think we, uh, we we might lost Jeff again, but hopefully he'll be back in just a second. I'm not sure if you can see or not, but uh we'll just go ahead and, and keep on going with it right now. So kind of talking back are we? Yeah, I got we're, you back. Okay, I see you now.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know it was glitching on me a little bit, but we're back, but uh Yeah, like uh, you know, like we were saying, the defensive backs are going to get tested. Um Yeah. I guess I do think Oh, uh, okay. It's causing a little yeah. issue with us, but but yeah. And th- I do one thing, thing as I, far as weight goes, I go ahead, Jesse.
1: I would say, I think, I think you can limit, I think you really can limit them though. I think you can make And this is going to be playing with fire, you know, pick your poison here. But I think with how their run game has not been that great. I think you can make them one dimensional and I think you can make him pass on you to beat you. Now he has that ability. Uh, but if you can get some, if you can get some pressure on him, like I, I, I don't foresee us. I know someone had said last week when I had mentioned Jared, or not uh, Jared versus Fabian. Love it. They spotted him on the sideline for the Boston College game. He was still on crutches and in a boot, so I don't think you're going to have him back, which does hurt. But if you could get Jared Verse back, that could be a difference in this game, to where you can get to Hartman and you can throw him off rhythm. And and a stat I'll share with you real quick that um, I get like an advanced stat. So when Hartman is kept clean, no pressure in the pocket, he's got a 65.5% completion rate for 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, and a PFF grade of 80, which is far above uh, quality starter status. And he's kept clean almost 73% of the time, which is a lot. Uh, Dracovic, for reference, was kept clean only about 60% of his dropbacks. So, But when you can pressure Hartman, his completion percentage drops down to 47.4%, two touchdowns, no picks, and a PFF grade of 61.9. But the tricky part is he's actually better against the blitz. When he's blitzed, he has a 68.8% completion percentage with 488 yards and eight touchdowns and only one pick. And when he's not blitzed, he has a completion percentage of 56.4% for 474 yards, five touchdowns and a pick. And his PFF grade is much better when he's blitzed. So I think because obviously – you're allowing his receivers more one-on-one coverage so if you just if you can get to him without having to d- devote too many guys to getting to him you can really find some success and that's where i feel like jared verse would be huge in this game because you're you know patrick payton's had he's been great since he stepped in and, and something i saw the other day that kind of blew my mind was he only has four less snaps this year than jared verse and uh jared jackson or not jared jackson um Dang, who's the other – I'm trying to think of the other young defensive tackle that stepped in for us. Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Joshua Farmer. John, uh, yeah. He actually has more snaps this year than Fabian Lovett has, which is kind of crazy to think about that you're still 4-0, and, and these guys have more snaps, almost more snaps than your starter. So, like, if you can get Jared Verse back, that could be a real difference maker in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what you're going to need, especially with, like we mentioned earlier, you know, that unique offense they run, that slow mesh. Yep. Um, with that, you know, he's going to draw you in with the handoff, and then he's going to pull it out, hit you over the top, and it's going to be, like you said, a one-on-one matchup. He's just going to chunk it, you know. And that's really – and what I've liked so far with our defense really is, if you look at them, I want to say – 14 pass breakups in the first se- first month of the season. And,
1: yeah.
0: you know, they really stepped up against Louisville. But like we've said, you know, there's going to be a lot of zone, man. You know, whatever we're playing, we've got to be extremely aggressive with it, you know, up yep. front to kind of throw Hartman off his game. Because, honestly, exactly. I think you let, you let Bethune, you know, Bethune come in, you let Verse come in and just lay a lick, Hartman's yeah. going to get yeah. rattled you know, I I, I, I would probably lay there and I'd lay there and fake an injury just to get out of that one.
1: (laughs) You ain't lying. I mean, and you got Kalen Deloach who, I mean, that guy is like a heat sinking missile. I mean, when he comes on a blitz, you're out of luck. You know, if he can run down a guy like Cunningham and whatnot, Sam Hartman doesn't really have a chance against a guy like that. And and that's, you know, I hate playing mobile quarterbacks. I really do. And I do like how Fuller is aggressive on his, on his defense. And the other thing I do think that this gives you an opportunity for the way they play their offense this does give you an opportunity for turnovers uh to make some picks if if you can get an advantage on them because again i mean they put up a ton of yards on clemson but their dbs just don't look great and i think they had some guys out in that game too but this could be an opportunity for some guys to really make some plays in the secondary and really step up and i mean wake they're actually a pretty clean team like they're they're plus one one and a quarter in turnover margin and they're only averaging 5.75 uh, penalties, <laughs> penalties a game. So if you're Florida State, first off, you have to play a clean game. You cannot give Wake any extra possessions. You cannot do them any favors. Now, you're going to have PIs in this game. That's just the what That's what their offense does. It draws PIs. But if you can play a clean game and, and not give them extra possessions, like, like we talked about earlier, this was a game I wasn't sure Florida State could win a shootout in. But watching Jordan Travis play this year – I mean, I'm pretty confident that Florida State's offense is right there with Wake Forest. And one of the reasons I say that is because I feel like Florida State is more of a true high-performing offense, not a throw-it-up, hope-for-the-best, kind of get-lucky-here-and-there type of offense. You know, they can run. They can hit you with the run game. If that's not working, they can hit hit you over the top. So it's like you almost have to pick your poison against Florida State this year. Do you want to load the box and stop the run? Okay, well, Jordan will pick you apart. Do you want to try and play back on the pass? They'll run on you. Do you want to find out how to do both? Well, Jordan still hasn't used his legs yet, and you still have to plan for a guy who can run for 100 yards a game easily. So I really do like Florida State's offense. And and the funny thing I will say about the Wake Forest defense is Boston College was ranked 72nd in defense, and their their defense is better than their offense. It's still not great, and we understand that. But Wake Forest – oddly enough, is tied for 72nd in defense. So you're basically, you know, kind of facing about the same quality defense that you faced against uh, Boston College. And you put up 530 yards on them, which I think they're averaging around 387, 378 yards a game. So, I mean, you just put up a lot over what they're allowing it. And you would think if you can get 530 yards and 44 points in this game at home, you would hope that's enough to win. Now, obviously, it wasn't enough to beat Clemson, but, you know, that – I don't know. You just – you get them at home. The weather could slow their offense down a little bit if you if the field's a little wet or it's windy or whatever. You know, I feel like – and that's another thing. I feel like if the wind is bad to throw their passing off, that's advantage FSU because we have a ground game they don't have. You know, and I do think that's definitely – that's an advantage.
0: Yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, I was looking at Florida State's kind of stats i've got down it's a different florida state team we're we're looking at this year
1: oh for sure even i think
0: coach clausen for wake forest has even said that this is a different florida state than what we played last year and if if my notes are right what i looked up, that was right you know i think we're ranked 35th in the nation you know by scoring i think it's 37 and a half points per game uh just thus far you know i mean Averaging, I think we're averaging about 277 yards passing a game, which is 40th in the country. Um, really, I mean, like you said, are you going to stack that box and stop, you know, Ward and Benson and Toa and then let Jordan Travis, you know, pick you apart and hit Johnny Wilson or Pokey or Micah or, you know, all his, his really a, thr- a plethora of threats of receiver that he's never had before here. Yep or are you going to yep. back it up and play a soft coverage and then let Trey Benson bulldoze you it's kind of a picky poison and what I love yep. is our defense our defense can play kind of that mix we can get the pressure up front to stop the run and stop the pass you know pressure the pass and our defensive backs can actually drop a little bit in coverage and they actually play good that way so right right that's kind of a toss-up for me that it's gonna be an exciting game
1: i think so too because like you said about florida state's defense i don't like they're not necessarily great at anything but they're pretty they don't really have a weakness either if if that makes sense like you know obviously if you had jermaine this year and you had verse on the other side you would have like an elite pass rush you just i mean Verse is a really good guy but you know some of the things that they do, they they don't have elite at, but you have like your you feel good about your secondary. They have a few things, but you feel good about them. You feel great about your linebackers. You feel good about your defensive line. So you don't really have a weakness to attack, which is nice to have. And then uh, one thing that you were talking about with our offense is I had a, a couple of things here where I looked at like some of the defenses that we had faced and compared why. I think that the offensive uh, success that Florida state's had is sustainable going forward. And when you look at who we've played and how they performed versus who they have coming up, like for instance, you had we played LSU, obviously, and they are top, uh, they're number 12 in defense, total, total defense. And I know total defense, it, you know, that's kind of a funny metric. You got to get into advanced stats and things, but just the raw data, they are the 12th overall defense averaging allowed 257 yards a game. Florida state put up 392 Louisville, They're at a 52nd ranked defense. They put up 300 or they allow about 350 yards a game. Florida State put up 455. Boston College, 72nd ranked defense. They're allowing 378 and a half yards a game. Florida State put up 530 yards. So they have had no problem outplaying a lot of these defenses. And then when you look at the point totals, LSU is allowing 14 and and a quarter points a game. Florida State obviously put up 24. UL is averaging 20.75 points a game given up. Florida State scored 35. And BC, Florida State put up 44 where they're giving up 27.5. So they're able to have overwhelming success against all of these defenses. And even, you know, look at Wake. They have the 72nd ranked defense. And then going forward, outside of NC State, you don't have another top 30 defense on the schedule. So to me, this this offense really, like NC State's going to be your biggest challenge going forward on as far as defense you're going to face because they're they're number 13 in the country. But even Clemson's 48th in the country. So to me, I don't see why this offense can't sustain this level of production going forward. And, and like I said, when you see Clemson's offense, which DJ had not thrown for over 250 yards in a game yet, and they have not exactly played really tough teams. And he put up over, th- over 350 yards. I think it was like 370 yards on this offense. So you have to feel good about the way – florida state's offense can compete against this defense because the wake defense is obviously their weakness you know they gave up 30 something point 36 points to uh liberty they gave up 25 points to vanderbilt so you know i don't see why florida state can't put get into the 40s against this team it's just how how much can you limit that offense
0: yeah and that i mean that's what it's going to come down to is you know like like you said and like we've mentioned the whole show really is it's a different Florida state team defensively altogether, you know, offensively, you know, and when you're facing them tougher opponents than like we mentioned earlier, you know, if we can get through this three game stretch, there's nobody that we me, you or I even think could beat us, but right. Just, I mean, just a prediction wise, let's just jump to that. I mean, what would be your prediction for the way the game's going to play out?
1: So I'm, um, I feel like I got a good, and of course the way Norvell plays injuries and I 100% don't blame him for the way he handles things. There's no point in appeasing fans to give a competitive advantage to anybody else. So we're not going to know who they have back and who they don't until Saturday. And I'm not worried about Jordan at all because the way he looked in, in the BC game, you just, you're not worried about that. Like he's, I, I feel like he's hundred percent. He's good to go. i Got a pretty good feeling you're going to see verse in this one. I just think they really didn't need him against Boston College with the, as bad as that offensive line was. So why take the the added risk? I don't think you're going to see Fabian Love it. So I'll make a prediction, kind of assuming that you have hopefully at least Jared Verse back. And so to me, I think you. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I haven't seen our secondary really lock anyone down yet this season they haven't been challenged so i don't i don't think that we're gonna like completely stuff out wake forest i think they're going to get theirs i think they're probably gonna get into the 30s and i do but i do think at home and, and there is gonna be the factor with the hurricane i don't know how much of a crowd you're gonna get it's a 330 game you're gonna have a lot of people who are kind of trapped in that side of the state or that the people who had to evacuate and so i don't know that you're gonna have quite the crowd uh, the crowd advantage that you would have had otherwise, and maybe that you had in BC. So, but I do think you get them at home. I do think you're more comfortable. I think the way this team plays, it's a different team. Like you said, they play hard. And when you play hard and you play for each other and you fight for your coach and you believe in everything and you believe in the guy next to you, you know, that's where you start to see teams that maybe don't have as much talent as another team be able to do some things that you wouldn't expect them to do. And I Florida State, to me, is a more talented team than Wake Forest. They just have a, a really a really high-level quarterback. So, to me, I think Wake Forest is going to get theirs. I think they're going to get into the 30s. But I do think Florida State does enough to kind of win this shootout. I, I think they're confident now. I think they believe in the process. They believe in themselves. And, you know, it's just which receiver is going to step up in this game. Everyone We've had a different one in every game. Will we see Jordan's legs a little bit more in this game? And so, I'm going to take Florida State to win this one in probably a little more nail-biter fashion. Uh, you know, maybe something like – I, you know, it's funny when I do a prediction now. I'm like, okay, let me think of what I can do with no more than one field goal. Because, like, oh, yeah. I don't want to predict – right, like I don't want to pre- predict 41 or, like, something like that where it's like Fitzgerald had two or three field goals because I don't think that's going to be the case. So, you know, maybe something like uh, Florida State, like, Forty-five, maybe even maybe even a little lower than that if the weather's bad. To maybe like a thirty-eight for Wake Forest. I, I, you know, I I don't know if they cover the spread, but I do think Florida State wins this one in a shootout.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree. You know, the thing is that worries me is I kind of wish you know Wake Forest would have beat Clemson. That way they'd have came yeah, in we, with yep. kind of riding high. Not that because yep. now you know they've lost, they're focused. They want to avenge that. But, yep. like, we all want it to be a hostile environment and dope. And I remember hearing with the Boston College game that Boston College players were telling their coaches, it's so loud on the field from the fans that I can't yep. hear, you know, anybody. I think if yep. the crowd shows up, and granted, with the hurricane, we hope everybody's safe. Um, right, down in uh, Down in uh, South Central Florida. Um, but I think if the crowd shows up, it'll throw them off because – this fan base is re re energized for Florida state and it's electric inside doke. But I I mean, I'm kind of with you. I'm on a, I think it'll be a one possession type game. Uh, I I agree with you. You know, I think they're going to get their points. And I was thinking, you know, kind of 45, 35, kind of a 10 point, just, you know, maybe Fitzgerald hits, hits a field goal. Maybe. I hope so. Somewhere around there.
1: (laughs) I hope so which yeah, a buddy of so. mine and, that, and like you said
0: go ahead a buddy of mine a buddy of mine that lived lives in tallahassee he lives right around the stadium he said when they came back from louisville they got off the plane mm-hmm. that uh Fitzgerald went straight to the uh indoor facility and started kicking field goals and you gotta look at me that was like and one two o'clock in the morning
1: that's good to see because you know the i mean it's not like he's a bad kicker it's just sometimes you get in a slump and sometimes it's it really is a mental thing and you know his confidence has to be in shambles right now and so you just want to see him like if he can be at home get him you know two or three kicks in like I know last game he missed a PAT which makes you a little nervous and then you know even his field goal wasn't pretty but like if he could I feel like if he could reel off one or two kind of get his confidence back I think that you know he'll he'll be okay it's just you're going to be nervous every time he rolls out there, and and so hopefully it doesn't come down to that as the game deciding play. But I hopefully he can get back on track, and and like you said with the crowd, I really hope that Dope becomes an advantage because uh, Wake Forest Stadium only holds about thirty thousand people, and they're not exactly used to playing in front of these kind of crowds. You know, Clemson took over. I think Clemson had more fans than they did at their in their own stadium last week. And I've, I, being I live up here, I've been to their stadium. It's a nice little stadium, but it's small and it's quiet. And so if you yeah. can have that advantage, you know, especially against an offense like this, every like when you're a team like Florida State that is, you know, one thing I say about Florida State when when you're in this type of position, you need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then you need to steal a couple that maybe you weren't supposed to, but you need everything to go your way. You need that little bit of crowd advantage. You need to win the turnover battle. You need a couple calls to go your way. And I don't think that's going to be any different in this game. So if you can get that crowd advantage, I think that's really going to really gonna help Florida State. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think hopefully Fitzgerald can get back in rhythm. And I think it's going to be close. I definitely think it's going to be close. But I think Florida State does get their first top 25 win of the season here. And I think it does really kind of propel them momentum-wise into that NC State game, which is that's going to be another challenge. You know, can you go do it again on the road? But, I, you know, it's just like you said, it's a different team than it was last year. And I know Wake Forest, they, they probably have a little confidence coming in. But, you know, they have to know Florida State's 4-0, so they know it's going to be a game. And I think Florida State probably has a little redemption on their mind from last year. I mean, you know, when in Florida State's history have you should you have ever been worried about Wake Forest? You know, and this is the type of thing where – and they're a good team, and they deserve, you know, every bit of credit that they get. Clawson, you know, the, to me the only thing that's more surprising than Wake Forest being as good as they are is that Dave Clawson is still there. Like I cannot believe someone has not poached him yet. And, you know, maybe it's coming because you still look like they still aren't. I think they had the 80th recruiting class last year. I think they're around top 50 this year. So it's kind of like you can only do so many things there. And but he's a good coach and they're a good team. But Florida State's not the same team they've taken on the last two years. And you do get them at home. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take Florida State to go to five and oh and. It sounds, it sounds like a strange place to be, you know, 5-0 and o coming from last year. But when I put out the preseason magazine uh, that I did for Florida State, I put in there, I said, after I got through through a couple of the games, I put in there, I said, guys, yes, I understand what I'm saying to you. I understand. I'm telling you, I think Florida State's going to start 4-1 and to 5-0. and And I promise you I'm sober when I'm telling you this because I, I really feel like this team is going to be different. And, you know, we're sitting here now, so it's like it, it looks good now. I could have been dead wrong, but it does look good now. So, yeah, I think this is a very winnable one, and I, I think they're going to move to 5-0, to and o, and it's going to be an exciting thing to watch, a Big another big-time game in Dope. Maybe we can even get a game day, you know, for Clemson. That would be a yeah. huge environment.
0: That would be huge I mean, when you look on ESPN, you know, I, a lot of people say, you know, ESPN hates Florida State, but they're giving us a 73.4% chance to win this game. And yeah,
1: and and I almost want to say that might be a little generous. Not like, you know, not, not, I would say 65 35, being it's at home. 75 feels like a little bit much because, you know, I mean, that, that offense is, I mean, you know, they, Clemson, I understand Clemson's secondary is their weakness, but they still put up 45 points on that offense or on that defense. So 75% feels a little, a little, friendly but i do think that florida state should should win this game at home i think they're good enough to do it
0: yeah well i mean that's going to be it really for us tonight um jesse is there anything you want uh tell the the viewing audience and the people listening about you know things that you've got coming up on your show you know i'm gonna recommend it because i mean i stumbled across it on spotify and really kind of between wake up war chant and you that's really the only two podcasts i listen to um just to kind of listen to florida state because you know all the rest of them just i just don't really enjoy because majority of them are kind of negative too at times but uh is there anything going on that you want to tell the the viewing audience and the the listeners about your show
1: yeah yeah and so i try and do like I'm I'm probably like you. I work full time outside of this, so I try. It's hard for me to be on a regular schedule, Uh, but I do try and put out one to two things a week. Kind of a review of the previous game and the weekend, and then a preview of the upcoming opponent. Um, I'm actually going to record a Wake Forest preview podcast tomorrow. So, um, if anybody wants to be on the lookout for that, but just you know, if you go to our website, we have some articles up there. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts on YouTube and everything. And I would love to have you guys join us on social media. I'm pretty active on there, especially Twitter. I like to mix it up, you know, on there, especially with Miami fans. Like I'm always going at Miami fans on Twitter. I just love it. They're so easy. They're so sensitive. Like they get so riled up so fast. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just, I really appreciate you listening to like that. That means a lot. I never thought when I started this, that it would grow to the level that it has this fast. And it's just been, it's been a fun and exciting ride. And, I really do love talking about Florida state and I'm still new at this. So, you know, I'm still trying to find, kind of find my way on things. Sometimes I get a little stat heavy. I I may get a little, uh, you know, long winded and stuff, but yeah, if you guys just, you know, you can find us on social media, you can find us on online and you can find our, our, podcast at plant the spear podcast. And I just appreciate everybody's support. I really appreciate you guys having me on and I really love what you're doing. And, uh, I look forward to, we can do this again sometime for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, you know, I kind of I kind of uh, been hinting around at kind of a big announcement. And next Wednesday it'll have a special start time. We'll actually have kind of two shows. I've got a guest lined up for the evening and then uh, I'm actually just going to play the clip and let y'all know who we got coming up Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central. It'll be 2 p.m. Eastern. So y'all... Uh, Receiver wide left, Toa Feely to the left of Travis in the gun. McDonald tight end to the left side. LSU along the line. Here comes a blitz. Travis hit as he throws. Drilled towards the end zone for Wilson. Oh, we made a no! catch with one hand. Loki Wilson. Touchdown Florida State. Touchdown FSU. Next week, next Wednesday, special time. Jeff Cohane, the voice of the Seminoles, will be joining me. And then that evening, I got another guest coming on to help break down the NC State game, Uh, be a former Noel. So, guys, I mean, for me, for Jesse, y'all go uh, listen to Plant the Spear. Go to his Facebook group, join it, like his uh, page, follow him on Twitter. Man, I'm pumped up
1: after that. I'm pumped (laughs) up after that video. I can't wait to watch that episode, man. I I about ran through my wall over here. Like, that had me ready to go. Yeah, that's exciting. I can't yeah. wait to tune in and watch that. And Jeff's done a great job replacing a legend. He really has. He's done an excellent job. So, I'm excited yes. to watch that show. So, yeah, man, that was awesome. Yeah.
0: But, guys, as always, you know, I end it with, you know, join the climb, become unconquered with us, with Plant the Spear. Guys, go and We'll see you all next week. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. State, he's got Whoa. P.K. Sam, open, oh he makes the catch, yeah. Sam Stout of